this is Pastor Pete. My prayer is that this message you're about to hear will help you to understand and experience God's love and power, regardless of what you may be going through today. God bless you. Something I learned early in my Christian walk, which is about 35 years ago, is that if I'm not alert for the devil, he will knock me down every time. So daily I have to be alert. Daily I have to keep in mind Jesus loves me and the devil is trying to attack me. Jesus loves me and the devil is trying to attack me. So if, if I keep that in mind, then the paths I walk, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot better for me if I keep that in mind. If I'm alert and armored for the adversary. Adversary means enemigo, your enemy, your adversary. Very, very important to be armored because he can be right around the corner, <laughs> literally right around the corner waiting for you. But if you're not armored and if you're not alert and you just walk out there, he's going to attack you. So Adam and Eve, they received a warning from God. If you eat from this tree, you will die. He's giving them a warning because he knew there was an enemy out there that would try to distract them. He knew that. He knew that. Uh, by the way, if you need help translating, you get tired, we have some other folks that can help you out. Okay, look, what do we have? The distracting deceiver. This snake is called the San Francisco garter snake. There's another name for it, but this is easier for you to remember. Notice the colors. A serpent does not have eyelids, so it's always watching. It's colorful, very, very colorful. It's very cunning. It's deceitful. It will deceive you. I was reading today that this particular snake, this San Francisco garter snake, they hide a lot. They don't make themselves very obvious. They hide, and then they come out, and then they hide. You can't, it's hard to find them. In fact, they're becoming extinct, this particular type of, of snake. Originally, snakes actually walked upright. Originally, they weren't on the ground. So can you imagine this beautiful snake walking around in the Garden of Eden, not on its belly, not on the ground, but just walking around like this with all these colors and you would, you're just looking at it like, whoa, that's very impressive. This is how the devil gets your attention, with things that look very good. It looks attractive. That's most likely why Satan chose to use this snake, and God allowed him to for a reason, to teach us something. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. He wanted Adam and Eve to choose obedience instead of something that looked good and sounded good and appealing. What do we have? The devil's strategy is to cause you to doubt God's word as he distorts and deletes truth. Let's read Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at that together. Genesis chapter 3. Beginning at verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, God has said, 
you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat. You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, to, so notice, the devil tries to put doubt in Eve's mind. The devil tries to put doubt in your mind. And in my mind, too, he will try to put doubts, doubts in, in various ways. But his strategy is to cause you to doubt God's word. He distorts God's word. This is why we have to study God's word. What does God's word say? What does it mean? What is the interpretation? Or else there will be confusion in the body of Christ. You have to read it. This is why the apostle Paul, he wrote, First and Second Corinthians, he wrote to the Galatians. He had to write to Timothy because there's false doctrine. And it's very, very important to understand the devil wants to distort. He wants to delete truth. He wants to take things out of the Bible and put things in and confuse you. He tried to do it to Jesus. When he was tempting Jesus, he tried to bring confusion in the Lord's mind. This is how he operates. This is why you have to pray for pastors and Bible teachers that they will teach the truth. Don't take things out. Don't put your opinion in. Don't distort it. Don't delete things out of it. Don't do it. This is what the devil was doing. This is exactly what he was doing. I need for you believers to be in prayer for me even now because what's going to happen here, the devil is going to be exposed this evening. So you please pray for me that my mind will stay focused on what I need to say and I'll have the boldness to say it, okay? Please pray for me, please. Okay, what else do we have? Eve responded by repeating God's word, but she added to the word of God. God never said to her, don't touch it. He said, don't eat from it. So then you might say, well, it's okay for her to kind of add that. All she said was, he said, don't touch it either. Maybe it's better if she doesn't touch it. But there's never an excuse for adding to God's word. God doesn't need your help to add to his word. He doesn't need my help to make God's word sound better. God doesn't need our help. But Eve was trying to she, here's what she does. She repeats God's word. Yes, God said this, and he also said this, but it wasn't true. Is that because Adam received it first, and when he told Eve, he said, you know what? He also said, don't touch it. Maybe, did Adam say the wrong thing? I don't know. At that time, Adam was doing things pretty well <laughs> until he sinned. But there's something else Adam did wrong, but I'll, I'll, I will explain that to you in a second. 
God's word, she added to it and didn't talk to God in prayer. Whenever you're tempted this week, if you're tempted tonight, if you're tempted tomorrow morning, stop having conversations with the devil without having conversation with Jesus. Start to pray. Start to pray. She did not pray, and she didn't walk away from the temptation. So now if you stay around the temptation and you're not praying to God, asking him for help, those are two things you're doing wrong. Walk away and pray. But that's not what Eve did. She stayed there, had conversation with the serpent, and she never said, God, what do you think? What should I do? Help me to do the right thing because I know you warned me about this tree. She never did that. So think about how many times you have fallen into temptation. And Jesus said, well, I'm going to show you right here. Jesus told Peter, this is what Jesus told, to, told Peter. Pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Eve did not pray. As a matter of fact, it's not until chapter 4, at the end of chapter 4, it says people started to call on God. But they did not pray. They didn't depend on God as much as they should have. And that's very, very important. What else do we have here? The devil also seeks to attack the character of God, God's love, his power, and his wisdom. So look at this now. He says, God, you're not going to die. God gave you a warning that you're going to die? That's not true. And the devil will do that with you too. He will get you to think bad things about God, and he'll attack the character of God. God doesn't really love you. If God really loved you, why would he allow this to happen? If God was so powerful, why is there still so much wickedness and so many politicians in control destroying the lives of so many families? How can you believe God is all-powerful? If God is all-wise, why does it seem like things are so messed up and chaotic and foolish sometimes in this world? He'll get you to try to doubt the character, the attributes of God. This is what the devil tries to do. So, let's go on here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. I'm going to talk a little bit about the temptation of Jesus because while I was preparing this, something became very, very clear to me. We need to look at how Jesus handled temptation in contrast to how Adam and Eve handled temptation. But we're going to look at that in a second. But look at, look at uh, Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. What does it say? Chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food... Notice that when she saw your eyesight, things that you look at is very, very important. The devil realizes that. So your eyesight, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, her appetite, and that it was a delight to the eye and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and handed it to her and, and, and wait, she took, to, she took from it, it was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate 
and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate as well. He ate as well. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and pride. Those are three areas, and we went over this before, I know. But like the, like the Apostle Paul said, I don't mind repeating it because it's for your safety. So I have to keep repeating it. The lust of the eye is what the devil will try to use. The lust of the flesh, things that look good, things that feel good to your body, to your taste buds, to your, to, to your sexual urges, all of these things, the devil will try to use those type of things. Lust of the eye. Lust of the flesh and even your pride is what the devil will try to use. Now, notice this. While the devil was in heaven, his name was Lucifer. Before he was cast out, he saw worship going on. He saw the beauty of heaven. He saw the beauty of worship. And his eyes lusted after it. He said, I want that. I want the praise. I want the glory. I want to be higher than God. I want to be more than just like you. I want to be higher than you. I need to share this with you. One day, the disciples were casting out demons, and the Spirit of God was using the disciples in a, in a dynamic way. And they came back, and they said, Jesus, even the demons obey us. We have all this power. The first thing he said to them was, I saw Satan fall from heaven. In other words, what he was saying to them was, don't let your gifts, your abilities, your talents, don't allow that to make you prideful because pride comes before a fall. And Adam and Eve were in danger of becoming more and more and more and more prideful. And the devil knew it. He says, you know what? You're going to actually become like God if you eat from this tree. It's the same thing he wanted. So he wants them to also experience a fall from blessings. This is what he wants to see happen. So he uses the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. That's what he tries to do with Jesus. I read last night, Part of the, the prayer was, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But then I read last night, when I was reading that, the thought that came to me while I was reading that, the Spirit, according to Matthew chapter 4, the Spirit led Jesus into the desert and he was tempted. So why would God tell us not to lead us not into temptation, but the Spirit led Jesus to temptation? Because Jesus was trying to show us how to win against temptation. Because Jesus is Lord. He was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. So when he went into the desert and when he was fasting and praying, remember, Eve wasn't praying. Eve wasn't depending on God during the temptation. Jesus was praying, fasting during the temptation. He's our example of how to handle Temptation. Let's read some more. What, what do we have here? The lust of the flesh. So he says, turn these stones to bread. That will satisfy your flesh. Aren't you hungry, Jesus? You've been fasting for 40 days. Come on, man. You have the ability to turn these nasty 
dry stones into nice, warm bread. Satan knew who he was talking to. He knew that Jesus had the ability to turn it right into bread. He knew he was the son of God. The lust of the flesh, he's trying to attack that. What else here? The lust of the eye. He took him and showed him all the kingdoms. Jesus knew that his time had not yet come to have control and dominion over all things because the God of this world has, has been allowed to dominate some areas by God's permission. Jesus is looking at all of these kingdoms, and he's thinking, wow, I could have this now. I could just get you out of the way, and I can have all of this. Lust of the eye. Lust of the flesh. What else do we have? Pride. He says, go, let's go up top of this temple. Now, if you jump down, the angels will come. Now, can you imagine if people saw that, how much they would clap for him? Like, wow, you're awesome, Jesus. Pride. What will others, what will others think of you? <laughs> lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride. But what he did, he misquoted Psalm 91 in the context. This is why you have to study the whole Bible. If you're studying any subject, make sure you study it in context. Don't take verses out or put verses in or just grab one verse and say, okay, we're going to build a doctrine on this one verse. Read what's before it. Read the chapters before it. Read the chapters after it. The devil takes Psalm 91 and says the angels will come and save you as gravity is sucking you down to the earth. <laughs> but in the context of that passage, if you read a little earlier in, in Psalm 91, it says those who find their refuge in God can claim that verse. Not somebody that's listening to the devil's temptation. That's why you have to read the whole thing. The devil knows the Bible. And he will have you focusing on one Bible verse to justify your sin. You have to read the whole thing. You have to read. It's like a love letter that God has written to us. Just don't take portions of the love letter. That's why as a preacher... As a pastor, I have to take you verse by verse, verse by verse through Genesis, or else I'm not giving you the full love letter. So Jesus went through that. What else do we have here? Don't be surprised the next time you're tempted if it really looks appealing to you. Of course the devil is not going to tempt you with an ugly woman. Of course the devil is not going to tempt you with an ugly man. <laughs> of course not. It's, it's appealing. The person's attractive. Of course when, when Eve bit into the fruit, of course it wasn't bitter. She said, whoa, this mango is great. I don't know what it was. Could have been a mango. Some people think it was an apple. We don't know. But it was so, can you imagine this? Imagine this. Ooh, this tastes terrible. Adam, 
you have to try this. It's so bitter. Please taste it. That's not what happened. It tasted good, but I tell you, it had a bad aftertaste. Amen? The aftertaste, the consequences were horrible. Don't be surprised when the temptation looks appealing. It's supposed to be. That's why it's called temptation. But no matter how good it looks, no matter how much you think, well, that will, that will satisfy my flesh so much. And also, don't ever say, write this down in case you forget this. 1 Corinthians 10.13, because I don't have it in this. 1 Corinthians 10.13, one of my wife's favorite verses. God will give you a way of escape to get out of the temptation. He will. There's never a temptation that's so strong that just, oh, I, I just couldn't, I, I was just totally out of control and God understands because we're all human. There's no such excuse because the Bible says he will give you a way of escape. And the same way they could choose, we have a will and we choose. That's why the scripture says in the book of Joshua chapter 24, choose this day who you're going to serve. Amen? Choose this day. You can choose. But you have to make up your mind to love Jesus and know how much the devil wants to destroy your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. What else do we have here? So what did Jesus use to fight? If you read Matthew 4, he kept saying, it is written. It is written. The word of God. That's why, that's why we, have, we memorize scripture. Every week, we're trying to get the word of God in there so when the devil brings his lies, when he brings his counterfeit, you can show him, no, devil, the word of God says this. Your mind is filled with truth. He used the word of God, and he didn't add anything to it because he's the living word. He's the word who became flesh, and he used the word of God every time the devil came with a lie. He used the word of God. That's what you need to do. So whatever your temptation is that you keep falling into, read up as many scriptures about that as you can. And that is your weapon against the devil. You got to use it. When he comes to you tonight, tomorrow morning, trying to tempt you, you need to quote that. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Jesus kept using the word. It is written. It is written. Read it when you have some time. He kept using that. What else do we have here? I want you to write this down. If, if you're a husband and you have never read this book, you, you need to get this. It's called The Power of a Praying Husband. Put it in your phone right now. If, you, if your wife is sitting next to you, wifey, tell your husband, you better write this down, baby. Put it in your phone. <laughs> the Power of a Praying Husband by Stormy O'Martin. Then there's another one, The Power of a Praying Wife. I've read that one. My wife has read the other one, and we're, we're telling folks all over the place, you got to read it. Because the two things that will give you victory in your personal life, even if you're not married, and also in your marriage, is using the Word of God and prayer. Adam and Eve did not pray when they were tempted. 
They didn't say, God, we need your help. We don't know the best thing to do. This is tempting, but we know what you told us. You warned us. You love us. Please help us to make the right decision. They never did that. And many times when we make mistakes, we're not praying the way we should. We're not asking God. And that's why, like I told you, Jesus told Peter, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. If the only time you pray is when you have a problem or when you come to church, that's a big, big mistake. You have to pray each day. Start off your day with prayer, the middle of the day with prayer. End your day with prayer, depending on God so you don't fall into temptation. But those books are very important because they have a lot of biblical examples of how to pray and have more victory in your marriage. Let's, go, let's move on. Jesus, help me. Sin leads to shame, fear, and guilt. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Look at chapter 3, verse 7 with me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Isn't that interesting? Go up. Go up to chapter 2. Chapter 2. The last verse of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 25. What does that say? And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Isn't that interesting? Now when you jump down to verse 7 of chapter 3, they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they, covered, and they covered themselves. They probably started walking like this. It was awkward. All of a sudden, they had all this freedom. Everything was beautiful. Your body's beautiful. My body's beautiful. Everything is just great. And now they're walking around like this. It's like, what, what happened? We go from no shame to so much shame. We go from wide open to hiding. Let's see what's going on here. They were innocent about evil and wise about what, is, what was good before they sinned. Until they ate from the tree and they disobeyed. Eyes that were pure became distracted and lusted after the fruit and they listened to the serpent. Let's keep going. Adam stood by allowing her to eat the fruit. He's supposed to be her hero. He's supposed to help her. She's supposed to help him. But he stood by. Here's an interesting question. Do you allow people, do we allow people we love to play with sin? My son will tell you. He's teaching in there right now. I'm going upstairs, he's downstairs on the computer doing some homework, and I say to him, be careful of what you watch, son. Uh, have you committed to the Lord that whatever you watch on the internet, it's going to please Jesus? Have you really committed to pleasing the Lord with whatever you watch? It's very important. And sometimes he's watching something, and this is me. What you watching there, buddy? Do you allow people that you love to play with sin? Do you allow people you love to just go to any movie? There's something that you need to look up. Write this down too. This is all free. It's called Plugged In. Plugged 
in. Just like this is plugged in. That's what it's called, pluggedin.org, pluggedin.com. You can see, before you go see any movie, you can check to see what it's all about. I don't care who made the movie. Even if they say they're Christian, be very careful of what you watch and what you allow somebody you love to watch. Adam allowed his wife to be near the tree. That was mistake number one. He allowed her to eat it. Then he took it. He just kept making one mistake after another. Eve offered the fruit to her husband. Instead, being unified in obedience, instead of being unified in obedience, they were one. They were unified in their rebellion against God. For those of you who aren't married yet, pray and ask God to provide that person for you who also loves God. Very important. Because of that, the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they agree? <laughs> you, you can have an unequal yoke relationship, even if you might say, well, she is a Christian, but not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. Not everybody that says they're a Christian really loves Jesus. You have to make sure that who you're walking with, that person's also committed to loving the Lord. There's a lot of examples in the Bible of, two, of, of couples that God used in a beautiful way to serve God together. They were unified in their rebellion. Let's keep reading. Eyes that should have focused on God and saw no evil were contaminated now with sin, and now they see their nakedness as shameful. They tried to cover their guilt and hide behind the same trees that they should have been eating from. Some hide behind things to cover their guilt. You might feel guilty about your sin, and if you're, sometimes we can hide behind things like religion. Some people become members of churches, they get baptized, they do all these religious things. They're hiding behind religion. And they're covering themselves with their own inventions for holiness, hoping that God won't see them, hoping that God will accept them. Maybe they hide behind their education. They hide behind their good deeds. They hide behind improving themselves or impressing others. This is what happens with a lot of people. They, they come up with their own ways to cover their shame Instead of letting Jesus cover them, instead of letting Jesus love them and forgive them and show them mercy, they come up with their own ways to cover themselves, but it's not good enough. Jose said it earlier. Some people are going to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, look at all this. I'm covered with this. I'm covered with that. I've done all these good things. I, I, I had all these opportunities of ministry. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You, need, you should have allowed me to cover you. Allow me to forgive you, to show you mercy. Depend on me for your salvation. Don't come up with your own ways of covering yourself, providing, providing your own salvation from your problem. Depend on Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? That's what we need. The key to victory, when you're going through temptation, it actually spells the word foot. Foot. 
And this is how you get the devil underfoot, okay? Foot. Focus on other trees. Now, what do I mean by that? See all those trees? Look, look with me. See all those trees out there? Look, look, look at the trees. Look, look. You see them? You see the trees? Adam and Eve had a whole bunch of those options. A lot of blessings that God gave them, but they were focused on just one temptation. Focus on other trees. Focus on the blessings that God has for you. Whenever the devil's tempting you, whenever the devil is tempting a man to have adultery with another woman, to participate in an adulterous relationship, he's not focusing on the blessings he has. He's always saying bad things about his wife, focusing on negative things, and it's the same thing for women. When she's thinking of leaving her husband to go with someone, she's focusing on all the negativity. But when both people are focused on Jesus and all the blessings that he has given them already, they will stay away from that tree that will bring death. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Before I go to the last slide, I just want to share this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It says that the devil drew Eve away from her devotion to God right through her mind, right here. This is where your battle starts. So if you keep falling into temptation, you need to always ask yourself, what am I filling my mind with? What am I looking at on Facebook? What movies am I looking at? What books am I reading? Who am I, who am I conversing with? Who am I talking to for advice? Is it a woman who loves the Lord and is going to give me good advice? Or is she going to tell me what I want to hear? She's going to tell me what appeals to my flesh and my desires and my hatred for my husband. Men, who are your best friends? Who do you talk to? Who asks you those tough questions? What are you watching? And those type of things where you, you need to be really careful of what you fill your mind with. Because 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, it says that the devil attacked Eve's mind. That's where the battle started. And he wants to draw you away from your devotion to Christ. 2 Corinthians 11, 3. Let's move on. God takes the initiative to make peace with us. Genesis 3. Genesis chapter 3, as we close, look at this. Genesis chapter 3, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Notice, Adam never answered the question. Adam never said, I'm over here in tree number four near the, near the beautiful red bush over here. I'm a he didn't say where he was. He just totally ignored the question. He just explained what he was feeling. He felt afraid. Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? That's an interesting question. 
God is asking Adam, where did you get that from, Adam? Who told you you're naked? Wow, what a question. And it moves on here. He said, who told you you're naked? Have you, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Why would God ask that? Doesn't God know what he did? Isn't that interesting? Who told you you're naked? <laughs> and then he asked him, did you eat from that tree like I told you not to? It's interesting. He's trying to get Adam to confess. He tries to get us to confess our sin. He wants us to talk to, to him. So he asks us questions. Where are you? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree? The man said, the woman that you gave me to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, and he's asking her a question now, all these questions. What is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Let's, let's move through this. All of these questions. And God asks us interesting questions, doesn't he? God is the ultimate peacemaker. He, he's pursuing peace. Pursuing peace actually imitates God. According to Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the peacemakers. God is pursuing peace with them. They're not searching for God. You never woke up one morning and said, I want to search for God today. God searched for you. God reached out to you. God wanted you to know how much he loved you. You had no interest in God. You were probably like, oh. But then he revealed himself to you. God pursued Adam. We love God because he first loved us. We love God because he first loved us. We respond to the love he shows us first. We love him. Why does God call to Adam? Adam's reaction to temptation and sin sets the tone for the marriage. Men, husbands, fathers. God has a question for us first. For us, for me first. In the Campbell household, he wants to talk to me first. Pete Campbell. Do you love D? Hallelujah. Do you love D as I love the church and laid down my life? He asked me that. Are you leading your children? Do you notice? He doesn't say, Adam and Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, you're the one who heard the command first. Where are you? Did you love your wife so much that she will respond back to that agape, unconditional love? Adam, where are you? I got to talk to you first. <laughs> now, is that to say that women have no response? No, 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 no. Absolutely not. <laughs> because they both suffered consequences. But the one who should have been really carrying out his responsibility first was Adam. He stood by and let her eat from the tree. You might say, well, if that's the case, 
then Eve, it's really not her fault. I got to share this with you. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, they both agreed together to sin. Adam, because of his bad decisions, he caused her to stumble. They both stumbled together. Ananias and Sapphira, they lied regarding the money, and they both were struck dead. God wants us to be good examples. He wants us to love our wives. The wives love us back. But if the husband is not loving her wife, his wife the way she should, listen to this now. Watch this. The wife can't say, well, my husband didn't love me the way he should have, so I'm just going to live any way I want. No, because the Bible says the soul that sins will die. If you can't look to your husband as the perfect example, look to Jesus. There's never an excuse for the woman because you have a perfect husband that you can look to, Jesus himself. But you need to pray for your husband to be a better example. You need to be a good example even to your children. And even the Bible says that a woman can be a good example to her husband. But the ideal way that this starts is for the husband to be a good leader in the home. If you have any questions, we can talk more. Adam, he gets this command, and he's confronted first after they sin. What else do we have here? Adam asked where Adam was to get. God wanted Adam to confess. What would your answer be if God were to ask you, where are you? Are you close to him? Are you in the center of God's will? Are you walking away from God? Are you in a shameful place? Are you physically at church, but your heart is far away from God? Where are you? And so the next thing here is, as we're going to close, Adam and Eve were afraid, but they should have had a different type of fear, a reverence for God, a respect for God, because there's a fear of punishment, but then there's also a fear of respect and love and reverence. They didn't have the reverence for God. The fear of the Lord makes you, makes you to have clean decisions. And clean decisions are made without shame when we fear God. Now remember, the fear of the Lord means to respect him, to have a reverence for him. They feared punishment, so they ran and they hid from God instead of running towards God. That's what the devil wants. Whenever you sin, the devil says, run away from God. He doesn't love you. He's mad at you. He hates you. I heard this too. God will never punish you out of anger. He will discipline you out of love because he wants you to return to that love relationship with him. They feared the punishment, and they ran from God and the Bible says that we need to run towards the throne of grace when you fall into sin. He wants you to run towards him, not away from him. Because he wants to forgive you. He wants you to confess what you did and not blame somebody else. 
oh, it's her fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my daughter's fault. It's my boss's fault. Let's move on here. I want you to stand to your feet as we read this last paragraph. Let's stand up. God wanted Adam to acknowledge his sin. Are you willing to do that if you've sinned? We need to be willing to acknowledge it. He wanted him to acknowledge who the real enemy is. He said, who told you you were naked? Where'd you get that idea from? He wants you to confess your sin, and he wants you to know who your real enemy is. Instead, Adam and Eve blamed others, blaming other people for their sin because of a fear of punishment and deception about God's love and grace. They were deceived. The devil deceived them to think God doesn't love you anymore. You might as well hide. Go run. Hide. God is going to get you. <laughs> hide from him. And maybe you've been deceived. You need to ask yourself, have I been deceived? Has the devil deceived me by using the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, pride? Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads at this time. If you need to confess your sin, God wants you to stop running from him. He loves you. He wants you to admit the sin problem. He wants you to admit it. This rain that's outside right now, when Noah was preaching, the people never saw anything like this. And he didn't take, they didn't take it seriously. And they were falling into temptation, listening to the devil. And, and many of them, most of them, never confessed their sin. They never said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. And God was providing a way of escape so they could have salvation. If you need to confess to God a sin that you have not repented of, today is the day. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart because the devil wants you to run from God. But God wants you to come to him. He will abundantly pardon you. He will forgive you. He says if you confess your sins, he is faithful. He's just and he will forgive you and cleanse you of all of your sins. Just say, Jesus, I know I've done wrong. Please forgive me. I'm putting my faith in you, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to try to cover up my sin with religion or trying to be a good person. I need you, Jesus. The Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. No one else. He's your only hope. Maybe you're a person that keeps falling into temptation. You keep doing the wrong thing. You feel like you're out of control and there's no hope. 
And that's a lie because I know the Lord Jesus helped me to overcome my sinful habits when I was a teenager. He forgave me and he showed me how to win. He showed me how to use the word of God. When the devil came with his lies, I came back with the word of God because that's what Jesus did. He told me to pray and depend on God every day and don't depend on my own strength. And the Lord gave me victory, consistent victory. I did not become a perfect person. I didn't become perfect. But you know what the Lord helped me to do? He helped me to win consistently. He showed me how to practice righteousness. Are you practicing righteousness or are you practicing bad habits? Are you living like an unsaved person when you call yourself a Christian? You can have forgiveness. Jose's hand. Pray for that person, that God will strengthen them, that they will experience God's forgiveness and God's power to overcome temptation. That God will teach them how to pray and to use the word of God and to see how much Jesus loves them and how much the devil wants to destroy them. Pray that they'll experience God's mercy today, this evening and his power and his love to overcome temptation. Pray that God will bless their marriage. And if they're not married, pray that God will give them a good marriage one day. And together they will fight temptation and follow Jesus. And if they're not saved, that God will save them this evening. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for showing us how to win. We can't win without you. You are the vine and we are the branches. We can't do anything without you. I pray that from our lives will come love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control when we are tempted to do wrong. We thank you for the rain and for the showers of blessings that are going to come upon these people this evening. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. That message was a blessing to you. Feel free to pass it on to someone who needs to hear it. And if you want to know more about having a relationship with Christ, check out our website at www.graceintruthgdl.org. And remember, so many are looking for real love and power in this life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God bless you.